Good evening, everybody. Welcome to church. Won't you stand with us and lift your voices up as worship? Raise the hallelujah.
Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Never stop, you never stop working. Never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Never stop, you never stop working. Never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Never stop, you never stop working. Never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Never stop, you never I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of our God. I've not lived in Brunswick County all my life like some of you.
But I know my way around pretty good by now. We've been down here about 12 years. And I've rode probably every road, every street in Brunswick County. I can tell you where all of the stores are, the cinemas that are shut down. And I know a good bit about this county, and, and I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't know anywhere you can go right now and get what I've got this last couple of nights. You can't buy this kind of stuff, amen? God's, God's been good to us. I, I left here, I know I done told you, but I left here Sunday. And I've been, I've been shouting down in my soul since Sunday. God's been good to us. And if he didn't show back up on Monday night, that'd have been okay with me. I could have still shouted about Sunday. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I just believe all of the promises of God. And I believe that when Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be in the midst of them. I get hung up sometimes on who ain't here when we ought to be focused on who is here. Amen. 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 Father, we come to you tonight in that name that is above every name. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. God, you know that we have many within our church family this evening, like Miss Sheila, that need a physical touch in their body. God, we still believe that you're able to take those ugly things, even sickness, and make something beautiful out of it. Father, we pray for Carl tonight. We ask you to lay your healing hand on his body. We pray again for this family that has lost two young boys, teenagers, out of our community this week. And just pray, God, that you overshadow this family. Use this as an opportunity to cause men, women, boys, and girls, especially our high schoolers, to consider where they're going to spend eternity at. God, that you might use this as an opportunity to draw them to yourself. We'll be careful to give you the praise and the glory and the honor for every soul that's saved. Ask you, Father, to open up doors. Give us inroads into these homes and into these families, into the minds and hearts of these young people. Father, we pray for Pastor Shane and his family. Just thank you for the privilege of having them down here this week. Thank you, God, for how you've used him and spoke through him. And God challenged us and changed us. And God, we just pray that even tonight that you'd part the very windows of heaven and pour out blessing and spirit that we don't even have room to receive ask you to be with michelle there uh in 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 their home tonight on the beach and just touch her take away the pain god restore her thank you for um, their commitment to be with us this week them and their entire family on their vacation time and god we just pray that you bless them in a special way Lord, we come to you tonight, and we come filled from what we've experienced already this week. But, God, if we're honest with you, we could use a little more. And we just pray that you'd open up our hearts and our minds to be receptive to the truth of your word. Give us uh, hearts that will obey that which we hear. God, we just pray that you'd truly, truly send revival, not only into our church, but into each of our hearts. And we'll give you the praise and the glory. For everything that you do, take the word of God, make it real to us. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. Come on, preacher. I keep trying to hand you this microphone.
I feel like God's got us a, a message on our heart. I want to do my best to mind the Lord. I want you to take your Bibles and go back with me to the book of Ecclesiastes. I want to read just a few verses there. We'll begin reading in verse number 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse number 11. Thank God for what he did uh, this week already. I've, I've got some help. My family's gotten help. My boys excited about being here each night because y'all have made them feel welcome. And uh, boy, I appreciate that. That's a blessing to their daddy. Amen. Pray for my wife. She is down with a, a terrible headache. So if you found your place here in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse number 11, let me just take time to, to say thank y'all for all your blessings and, and uh, the love offering, man. It was a blessing. I appreciate y'all. Let's stand, if we will, let's reverence the reading of the Word of God in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse number 11. My heart's a little heavy. Um, it seems like God had to switch gears last night, and I feel like I'm in that for those of you that like four-wheel drives, I feel like I'm in granny gear. I wish we still had one of them. Uh, they don't even make do. Praise God. Amen. How many of y'all believe you ought to give it to me for a prophet's chamber? Somebody say amen. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter. Can we get a second? Is there a second? Can we all say aye? Aye, that's 100%. All right. All right. Chapter 3 and verse number 11. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he hath set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. I know that there is no good in them, but for a man to rejoice and to do good in his life and also that every man should eat, drink, and enjoy the good of all his labor, it is the gift of God. I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it. And God doeth it that men should fear before him. That which hath been is now. Listen to this verse. The past is the present. That which hath been is now. And that which is to be, that's the future, hath already been. And God requireth that which is past. Now, if, if those verses don't cause you to scratch your head, please let me take your picture with you today. What blows my mind and what I want to deal with is, is a little bit of verse 15, but verse 11. Notice, and, and I'm, I, I feel like when I read it last night, some of you were thinking, that don't sound, it sounds strange. Look, look at verse 11, this, this phrase. Verse 11, the second part of the verse, start after the colon, it says, Also, he has set the world in their heart. The text says that God hath set the world in their heart. 
Let's pray. Father, we love you today. Pray you'll help me to preach in, in the power of the Holy Ghost. Lord, if we can't preach in power, there's no sense in preaching at all. Lord, we need your touch. We need your touch physically, spiritually, mentally. I pray you get us together in one mind and one accord. We know, Lord, when the, uh, we can come together in one mind and one accord, business picks up, the wind will blow, the fire will fall, and we'll leave out of here filled with the Holy Ghost. And God, we need you I to do something mighty that only you can do. Let it be so wonderful that God only you could get the credit. We'll thank you for the truths that you put our heart on again tonight. And Lord, I pray, God, that you'd help me uh, to be a vessel, a conduit uh, that would pour into the lives of everyone that is here in the sanctuary, those who are listening by way of live stream, uh, those who may be listening on down the road uh, by way of uh, synchronized uh, platforms. We just pray, God, that whatever goes on uh, through this message, you will get the glory, for it is your word and your will and your way that we long for, we desire, we need it. We trust in your promises we depend on your power. And Lord, we're going to lean in to your plan tonight and try to preach what you've laid upon our heart. Preach through us in the Holy Ghost power. Give us fresh unction and oil. Empty us of our flesh and self. In Jesus' name we thank and pray. Amen. I'm interested tonight you can be seated in this weird, mysterious, strange portion of Scripture found in the middle part of verse 11, he has set the world in their heart. What, what does this mean? He set the world in their heart. What world is this? <clears throat> Whose heart? He said he has set the world in their heart. All believers, everybody, who's went through the different seasons, circumstances, and 14 pairs previously listed in chapter 3, all of God's children, according to verse 11, he has set the world in their heart. Now we know that can't be talking about this world out here. This world out here is a world of vanity. And in fact, Ecclesiastes is all about telling us as believers and as God's children that we, if we run after society and everything it can provide, it is vanity and vexation of spirit. If I could illustrate what Solomon is saying, he spent his whole life he did agriculture. He was rich. Uh, he had everything that the world could provide. And he said it was vanity and vexation of spirit. Every accomplishment, every run on the ladder, every, every bit of wisdom that he had uh, was vanity and vexation of spirit outside of the plan and purpose of God. And so what is vanity and vexation of spirit? I, I don't know if you, uh, you had this in your house, but we had four boys and so one thing we didn't have amen is, is play-doh my wife wouldn't allow it make too much of a mess but they had a lot of bubbles and, and you could 
uh, get these big bubbles. And we went to this place on Main Street in Rutherford County, and there's these big machines. I mean, man, you can make bubbles big enough to climb in, look like. I mean, look like you're fixing to take off in a cartoon or something. I mean, huge bubbles, tunnels of bubbles. But when you touched them, it, it went away. It's, the kids would chase them, and they couldn't grab them. They couldn't hold them. Daddy, get me one. Solomon said, that's the way the world is. It's, it's like bubbles that you spend your life and your efforts and your strengths and your time to chase. And in the end, it's vanity and vexation of spirit. This can't be the world that it says that God's put in our heart. Now, Satan's put that kind of world in our heart. Every single person in this building deals with the things that this flesh craves. And, and to be honest, Satan started it. And our old sinful, suicidal, self-destructive hands have finished what Satan started. In fact, you could put it like this in James 1. I, I'm not much of a fisherman. That's why I was kind of excited about him having the gear, him having the bait, and me just reeling it in. Amen. Uh, because I'm not much of one, but uh, I've done a little bass fishing in my camping days. When I was little, I went camping all the time with my dad. And, and I remember how we'd get out there a little bit and get into those little nooks and crannies, get into them places where the logs were, where the tree bushes was overhanging in the pond, and, and them bass would bed down. That's, that's where they bed and they were safe and it was hard to get them out of there how, but how you could always get them out was you if you hit the hook real good yeah. that thing that will cause them to lose their life and you put the bait on it just right James put it like this every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and then enticed the, the lust of food Cause the bass to leave the safety or the sanctuary of his safety. But then the fisherman's term, the word entice is a fisherman's term. All he saw was the goody. He didn't see the hook. And see young people, and, and y'all will testify, those of you that at least 30 are over, uh, that the world always publishes sin. Society, billboards, magazines, publishes sin as a party like it pays. And friend, it does pay. But they don't, they only to show you the front yard where the party and the music and all that's going on. They don't show you the backyard where people's laying in their vomit and dying and beating their wives and killing their kids. And, and people, oh God, help me. I need some help up in here. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And sin, our flesh, the world entices us. But our lust has pulled us away from what we need need to be securely nesting in and that's his scriptures his safety the sanctuary the sheepfold and sometimes sin gets the best of us amen it pulls us away and then the devil entices us that can't be the thing that God's put in our heart in fact he the Holy Ghost inspired the apostle John amen to write in first John chapter number two and verse 15 through 17, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Verse 11 says, 
he hath put the world in their heart. First John says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So that cannot be the same world that God has put in our heart to love and to cherish. He's warned us not to love this world out here. It don't have what you need. The world, that's why people with multi-million dollar bank accounts, when the stock economy, uh, when the stock market starts turning down, the economy starts turning, they jump off of skyscrapers because their, their love was the things of this world. Love not the things of this world. Hey, man, think if I'm living in a cardboard box, I'm going to shout if God will help me. Hey, man, thank God I've got a mansion on the other side. I know what the song says. Give me a cabin on the outskirts of glory. You can have mine. I'm done living in one of them. I'm going to the mansion. Say amen. Hallelujah. Thank God for that there, there is a strange, weird, mysterious portion of this verse. Love not the world rings in my mind. But it says that in verse 11 that God hath set the world in their heart. It's a dumb deal. He hath set it. The word there set means unmovable. It means to be there in a fixed location. And so God hath set. Not his setting. It's something that is done. It's put there. What is that? Now, I want to say I, this, this, this word has two meanings. It's a contextual meaning. It's a prophetic meaning. There's a meaning here. God has set the world in your heart. I, my, my, one of my preacher buddies said this. Let's look at it in the context of the scripture. For a preacher who does not preach a truth in context is looking for a pretext. I'm not looking for a pretext. I thank God for the context. That's enough to preach in this Bible. We don't have to preach anything else but the Bible. Can y'all agree with that? So love not the world. I got to figure out what this is. What is it that God has put in the believer's heart that we're to cherish, we're to love? God set it there. To have something set in your heart, that means something is put there by God and it can never be taken out. Remember he says and nothing that he does can be taken away or added to. What he's done, he's done forever. Boy, ain't you glad you can shout about your salvation. Amen. The world that he's speaking of in the context, all 14 pairs leading up to verse 11, it's everything that goes on in your little world. I, I like to put it like this. Uh, a fisherman, a, a boatman, a man who... Uh, sails a ship, he has a little world. His little world is made up of the things he cherishes. It's made up of going out every day wondering what the weather's going to be. Wondering if he's going to have smooth sailing or rough sailing. Whether the fish are going to be running or not going to be running. And isn't it true that the, the worst thing to depend on is the weather. You, the weatherman has the easiest job in the world. He still gets paid and he's wrong 99% of the time. 
help him, Lord, and got a degree somehow to do that. I mean, gets paid, y'all hear me? And wrong, wrong. And I thought, much you can't depend on the weather. The sailor don't know whether what to depend on, what not to depend on. Hey, he reads a compass. If his compass fails him, if he's on a long voyage, he has to navigate by the charts and the stars and for everything that goes on. So, so what, why, why do you keep doing it? Because that's his little world. And he just loves it. He cherishes it. That's what he's done. You, your mama, you have to there is mamas and daddies. Uh, that little boy, that kid. Uh, hey man, he's broke hearts. He's blessed your heart. And, and some would say, why in the world? Uh, how, what, what do you love so much? Uh, uh, being a parent, being a, a mom or a dad. Uh, and by the way, I think every young lady ought to want to have a house full of kids. I believe that's biblical rather than a house full of cats. Somebody say amen. Hey man, that's probably why she ain't got no husband. She got too many kitties. Amen. Anyway, I Thank God for a family, a young person that says, I want to raise a family. That's their little world. I mean, them children, the boys, they're taking them to school, running to the ball fields, running up and down to the doctors, going through whatever they have to do. Because why? Why would they do that? Because God has put it in their heart. That's their little world. I'm simply saying all our circumstances the good and the bad the ups and the downs that's our little world the pastor has a world he tries to preach to the flock feed the sheep care for them some of them will leave him they'll do him wrong they'll stab him in the back and they'll pour his life I tell my church all the time I've been pastoring the same church for 23 years only church I've ever pastored and I told them the other day I'm so excited I got, I'm getting to baptize uh, the third generation now. I've seen mamas and daddies, grandmas and grandpas. Hey, man, and now's them little grandbabies. I've got to say, boy, that's a joy. I'd have get to be a part of three generations, and I'm looking to that fourth generation. If God willing, I'll still be. But what preacher folks have done your own. I thought you've invested yourself. That's right, because church in somewhere I go. It's what I am. This is what we do. It's is our very life. Why do we don't hold back? We spend vacations. We spend time. We tell our boys, no, your pastor's kids have to suffer not seeing their mom and daddy because they're always running to somebody else's family to try to help with their needs. And my boys, have they've went through times of me being gone. Hey, and that's it's all right. You see, preacher, why do you do it? Because I love it. That's my little world. And God has put it in my heart. Why do you do what you do? That's your little world. Nobody can't really understand it, but you cherish it. You love it in the seasons of good and seasons of bad and the positive and negative construction workers. Man, I built houses with my four generations, my great-grandparents, my grandpa, my uncle, my dad, me. Hey, man, we built stuff. We've we've built. I go somewhere knocking on doors now, and this gray hair's telling on me. And they'll say, "You look just like your grandpa." And I say, "Amen." 
Hallelujah. And then my wife sometimes is with me, and they'll say, wow, you sure married young. I said, she's not but two years younger than me. Man, I know I married up. You don't have to tell me every time. Amen, Lord. Why why would my wife be the pastor's wife and and don't have all the friends that maybe someone else does? She has to do without things. She has to miss me at times. When when I went back into the military after getting out in in combat arms and went back, I I, I love being a forward observer. There's something about painting a target and it no longer being there. Amen. It's just something about it. Amen. Something about it. Hallelujah. And then when God saved me, I realized and I thought about all those bases, all all those military bases and establishments. Sin counts around them and it's like Satan is trying to destroy those who are trying to keep us free. And I said, Lord, if you'll let me, I'll go back in. Hey, man, I went back in, and the first thing I got to do when I went back in was PLDC. That's for that, for those of you who don't know, that's like basic training for non-commissioned officers. I loved it. Amen. I was running through there. I got done finishing my lap, and I wasn't going to let that crowd whoop me. And so I was 30-something years old, and I tried to max that thing out for an 18-year-old. And when I got done running... I, my tongue was a hanging out. Hey, man, but I got my breath, and I went back with this lady, and she is a struggling, and I run with her, and I just started praying. She said, it felt like angels was picking me up. Hey, man, we went out to the field problem in, in uh, Fort McCullen, Alabama, and, and by this time, I was helping to train the 10 level, and, and I'll never forget, we was out there, and, and I, actually, I was in a recruit for training. I was going through my portion to be reclassified. And so we was out there and I was part of the team and uh, we had these little GP mediums and for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, it's a tent that probably wouldn't stand up in Holden Beach. I mean, ain't they, there's, some, there's some bars that go across here. I call them rafters. And man, the males had a tent and the females had a tent. And we got to praying, said, Brother Jackson, would you lead us in prayer? And the Holy Ghost fluttered around there like a dove. Hey, man, and I got to swinging off the rafters. Hey, hey, man, thank God. And it got so good, the females heard it and they come joined in on it. And then that made them all nervous and they come over I said see what's going on over there it's supposed to be quiet time they got an all night mission and he went over there and they said uh uh-uh, uh I ain't messing with them God's in that tent amen and we marked it on our map at Fort McCullen where the Holy Ghost showed up and filled some people with the Holy Ghost I say hallelujah I say glory to God he's still doing that I say glory be to his name you say preacher I had to do that and stay away from my family. I cried and I called my wife and she said, honey, that's why you're there. He said, why would you do something like that? You were pastoring. You were working two jobs. You were trying to go to college. Why? Because it's in my heart. That's my little world. That's what we do. And aren't you glad that God let you enjoy some earthly things and he's put them in your heart and he's let you cherish them. Thank God for the things he's put in our heart. Man, in in the context, it's my little world. My children, my kids, 
my, my, my future grandbabies, my grandbaby. Man, God's put them things in my heart. Hey, man, Austin's going to get married. That's my boy back there. And uh, my, we got a building right beside our house. And we're praying these days there for at least first two grandkids. <laughs> I don't care if they had twins. But I don't want to. Hey, man, smile at me, Austin. Hey, man. <laughs> Why? Man, I told my boys, I, we will build you a house, dig a tunnel. You'll always have access to the house. I don't want my kids gone. That's my little world. I'm saying, church, God has let us enjoy some earthly existence down here, and he's given us blessing after blessing after blessing, and we cherish it. Look around. I mean, none of us in here are hurting. We bless. I, I don't even have to eat all day tomorrow because I'm eating ribs tomorrow night. Yeah, man. I mean, great God, we've uh, we've been blessed. We've got cars. We've got an air-conditioned building. We've got padded seats. Uh, I, I mean, talking about, I know the world ain't what it needs to be, but we get to live in the greatest country on the face of the planet. We get to live in, the, in this buckle of a Bible belt. Hey, I know America ain't what it used to be, but thank God for our little world. You ought to shout to victory that God's let you live a life and you've got blessings everywhere you look you just can't help but bump into another blessing hallelujah bless his name he's put it in your heart that's your little world that in the context now preacher gotta be quick child of God because in the midst of all this you can get relaxed and what will happen is sin will quit I'll, I start to say we're well, creeping but what happens a lot of times we just open the door and let it in we've got to nip sin and evil in the bud God's given us a little world and we don't want the devil to mess it up that's why my young people your mom and daddy give you uh, standards gives you curfews give, gives you uh, hey man I mean let's be real if you go to Western North Carolina and go down the Blue Ridge Parkway, it's beautiful. They put guardrails up, not to hinder you, to keep you from running off the edge. Somebody help me. That's what the guardrails and rules and regulations are. Are y'all with me? I mean, God, hey, listen, hey, mamas and daddies, we have to give ourselves. We give ourselves standards and convictions. I've got loggers in our church and, and them things that keep the logs from rolling off and killing everybody behind them while they're driving down the road. Guess what they're called? Standards. You can't cut the standards down. Hey, man, just to try to blend in with all the other trucks. Hey, man, we've got to make sure that the devil don't have an open door access. Hey, man, to mess up our little world. I don't know about y'all. Maybe you won't like this. So just count it off as being nuts. Because I am a nut, but I'm screwed on the right boat. Say amen. <laughs> amen. His name's Jesus. Hey, man, you might not like this, but I'm going to tell you what, I, I hate the devil. Yeah. I believe we ought to hate the devil. Yeah. 
I believe the Lord loved Jesus and hate the devil. You know what? He, I'm, I'm sick and tired of him wrecking homes, of him taking little girls and boys' virginities, of losing their purity. I'm tired of them. I get, hey, man, I hate the devil. I don't, but brother and sister, good news. He's going to get what's coming to him one day, and we're going to get better than what we deserve one day. Amen. <laughs> Heaven bound with a hammer down. Amen. Thank God. Nip it in the bud. You say, preacher, come on now. I'm telling you, you've got a little world. God's put it in your heart. You're to cherish it. And what's in your heart, you are to protect it. Would y'all agree? All right. Here, here, I want you to think about this with me. Titus 2. Here's what everybody said. Well, preacher, I'm in grace. And preacher, I'm in grace. Preacher, I'm in grace. And I hope this ain't out here, but oh, out Midwest where I got some missionary friends, there's a thing called Christian liberty that's ruining the local church. It's ruining Christian living. I want to tell you what grace does. It does not give you a license to live lasciviously. It does not give you a license to live lustfully. Hey, man, I ain't getting enough amens. Let me help myself out a minute. Hey, man, preacher. Hey, man. Thank, Thank you. you. Amen. Hallelujah. High five. Amen. That's exactly right. Where hey, listen, Titus says this: the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Next verse. Teaching us. Wait, grace. Teaching, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live. I'm not saying we all do, but we should strive. We should live, amen, soberly, righteously, and godly. We're at, preacher, in this present world to protect our little world. Amen. God help us today. He want, Grace teaches us to live holy. That's why it says lift up. What kind of hands? Holy hands without wrath. And that's why it says worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Amen. That's why we're to keep ourselves, amen, prayed up and full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Keep on fire for God. Amen. How do we do that? Praying in the Holy Ghost. Walking in the Spirit. Telling the flesh, no. What is our job? Our job is to deny self. Take up cross daily and follow Him. Can I get a witness? Amen. Amen. That's exactly right. God help us to worship the Lord all, through all the uncertainties of life. Right. We're going to have to trust him. Yeah. Through all the uncertainties of life. You see, I had to wait till I got past the first portion of my message to give you the title. The title I'm, of the message is Trusting God Through the Uncertainties of Life. I alluded to it in the first portion of chapter 3. Verse 11 says, He's put some thanks in my heart that I'm to cherish, I'm to love. God set them there. Nothing can add to them. Nothing can take them. And it don't matter what that boy does. It don't matter what that girl does. They steal your baby. Amen. And they gonna you going to still love them because God's put them down in your heart. Amen. And he set the world in our heart. Amen. That's the facts of the context of the scripture. But I want you to notice with me the second part of the meaning. Look at verse 11 again. He hath also he has set the world in their hearts so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. 
verse 15 says, that which hath been the past is present, is now. That which is to be, that's the future, hath already been, it's the past. And God requireth that which is past. Here's what I feel God is saying to us. When I looked up the, that word, this is not my opinion. This is what the word means, literally. The word does mean little world. Your existence, your earthly existence, which is temporary. But the word there in verse 11, that God has set the world in your heart, has a secondary meaning. And here's what it means prophetically. We looked at it contextually. Here's what it means prophetically and what it means right here. here here's what I'm saying. It carries the idea of forever. It carries the idea of eternity. Not only has God given us something to enjoy temporarily, our earthly existence, but he's put in our heart eternal things, things that you can't get at the store, as the brother said. Yeah, I went to Walmart so many times and Food Line, and my goodness, I didn't know you could buy so many groceries on vacation. I thought we'd at least have a, a little bit of vacation from the grocery store. And what I realized, brother, they ain't got it down here neither. They don't have an aisle where you can buy all the faith you want and get all the hope you want and get all the peace you want. You can't even go to you can't even go customer service and find a special food category. I mean, they've got Asian food, they've got Mexican food, they, and by the way, I like all of them. And uh, as you can tell, Amen. And I got. Hey man, I got biscuits. Hallelujah. Amen. And cornbread. I, they got all that stuff too. They got crab legs. They ought to down here. They got shrimp. They got all kinds. But they don't have a special aisle where you can get everything you need to feed that spiritual man. If you're going to feed that spiritual man, you're going to have to eat spiritual things. All right? Am I right about that? Oh, can I get a witness tonight? I'm, I'm, I'm saying he's put in our heart. He's put in our heart the word the, the meaning is forever, always. It means a continuous existence. It means perpetual. It means everlasting. It means indefinite. It means an unending future. In other words, the Lord desires us not to just look at what we have here, but to long at what he's got for us on the other side. Hey, he's prepared for us a place. He's got a prepared place for a prepared people to enjoy perfect worship. Amen. Hey, man, God has put in our heart some eternal things. Colossians puts it like this. Let not your heart be troubled, John said. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Well, Paul, hey, man, trying to get us to look that way, says in Colossians, and in chapter number 3 and verse 1, if ye then be risen with Christ, if you're saved, if you're a believer, if you've been born again, if you're enjoying this little world that God's blessed you with, you're trying to follow his plan, you're enjoying his peace, yet thank God you're calling on him in prayer, hey, man, you're worshiping in the power of God, hey, man, you give him 
him the rightful place. You're seeking him first in all that you do. Well, if that's you, friend, hey, thank God for your little world here, but he's put eternity there because he don't want you to focus just on the here, but on the hereafter. Say amen. Here's what he said in Colossians. If you're one of them that's risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections, your heart's desire on things above and not on things on the earth. Amen. God set eternity. He set heavenly things. He's put spiritual things down in our heart. He set them there. Amen. The devil can't rip them out. No matter how far you get away from God. Now listen, I, I thought about the children of Israel. They spent years, over 400 years in Egypt. I know if you count the from the time God gave uh, that prophetic truth to Abraham and to the time they came out, it's somewhere around 430 years. 400 years and bondage, generations haven't had the chance to worship God. They've been under the thumb of idol worshipers. Idol worship that's going on today started back in Genesis 11 and ended up in Egypt and they were exposed to it. Are y'all listening to this preacher? We, some of the young people in our day don't even know who Jesus is. I knocked on the door in Tri North Carolina. These churches everywhere. That's the buckle of the Bible Belt up there. And I'm telling a young boy, he's about 9, 10, 11, 12 years, I don't know, somewhere around there years old. He can't tell. He's a big, tall feller. But he said he wasn't in high school yet. He said he didn't even know who Jesus was. There's a church on every corner. My God, how, why is it that when folks who believe the Bible knock on the door, we have to spend five minutes telling them, we're not Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons. That ought to be, that's a bad testimony. They ought to think everybody knocks on their door is amen from the bridge. Somebody say amen. amen. Help us, Lord. Somebody help me. Amen. God, help us. What are we cherishing? Say, people that's grew up, been under the thumb of, uh, of socialism and secularism and humanism, and they've been taught that in every grade level, in school and in university. And we've done down a generation that don't even know things about God and it's not really their fault they hadn't seen mama and grandma worship in the power of God. God help us today. He's put them in there. We know they're there. But the problem is see they took them out of Egypt. God took them out of Egypt in power in moments but it took God 40 years to get Egypt out of them. That's right. And that's what's going on. And I mean, thank God we're saved. Yeah. Yeah. But if you'll be honest, there's a lot of stuff we need to get rid of. Right. I thought about loving the right things. He's put the world in our heart. That's eternal things. 
What can we see in our text? Well, in verse 11, he's made everything beautiful. In other words, there's a master that's controlling everything. He's sovereign and sitting on the throne. I say amen. He's got a purpose in verse number 11. Hey, man, he's going to turn everything beautiful in his time. I'm glad there is a master that is in our heart, and we trust him today, and we cherish him, and we love him. And Don't you love Jesus? Can you say amen? Amen. Ain't you glad you love him? I know why you love him, because he first loved you. Hey, man, you, if you know him, you can't help but love him. Hey, Amen. Thank God I appreciate all that he does. I appreciate what he's done in my past and what he's done in my present. But, but according to 15, according to verse 15, everything that's past is present and everything that's future is past. And the problem is we can't understand. We don't operate on his level. He's not restrained by time. He's present in my past. And he's present in my future. And he's present now. He's in all. If if your timeline of life was a train, he's in the caboose. He's in the engine, up there in the engine. And he's right in the middle at the same time. He don't even have to turn around. He don't turn to, oh my God, are are y'all with me today? He ain't never made a mistake, amen. He's a master, and we can't understand him. He says that we can't find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. We've got to trust the maker, the master, and not worry about figuring him out, amen. We we see his purpose. We see his patience. Bible said he's going to make it beautiful in his time. Hey, man, boy, he sure is patient. If it had been me, I'd have wrote me off a long time ago. Most of my family said I went too far anyway. They did. They said, by now that boy stinketh. But when I got saved, I went too far the other way for him. And that crowd that was churchgoers, they said, hey, you ain't got to be fanatical about it. I, everything I've ever done all my life, I want to be fanatical about it. Why do anything half-heartedly? Right. I don't understand people that want to do enough to get by. I can't figure it. Don't understand. I don't even like lazy. God don't like lazy neither, by the way. Do you know when he could have picked anybody to follow Elijah? He, he picked a man who had 11 people plowing before of him. And if you know anything about plowing, all the rocks is coming over. Amen. And that 10th one has got nine other rows of rocks and clods. And he's a plowing. And the Lord said, that's my preacher right there. Amen. God don't like lazy. I don't like lazy. Amen. We've got to trust God. He knows what he's doing. See, there's a patience about him. I went too far for him, but God was patient with me and let me correct and get back over in the middle of the road. Hey, listen, I don't think you can go too far with God. We've got a master, and we've got to trust his purpose. We've got to trust his patience. Amen. And we've got to trust his power. Thank God we can rejoice in his power. Look what he said in verse number 14. He said this. Now now walk down through these verses and verse 11. Listen quick, and I'll preach it quick. Look at verse 11. Amen. The Bible says in verse 11, he's made everything. And then it goes on to say in verse number 11, hallelujah, in verse 12 rather, that he's made man 
He's meant but for a man to rejoice. And so he's made everything and he's going to make it beautiful in his time. Amen. So that no man, we can't figure it out. But one thing we know is that God's give us a little bit of good. Amen. And that good is to do good in our life and to rejoice while we're doing it. Verse 12. But not only that, we should rejoice in the good that he's given us. But look, every man, we can eat and drink and enjoy the good of the fruits of our labor because why, preacher? It's a gift of God. Hey, it'd be a shame to work all your life and store it up and never enjoy it. Reminds me of a man I was reading after one time. He said he knew a feller and said he was rich and he was wealthy and he never took time to enjoy the fruit of his labor. That's a gift of God, and you're missing out on the gift if you don't enjoy it. Hey, eating ribs is enjoying it. Amen. Amen. I'm going to enjoy the fruit of his labor. Say amen. Thank God. It's enjoy, living in a home, coming to church, retiring from a job, enjoying grandbabies. That's enjoying the fruit of labor that you ain't got to worry about. Spoil them and let them whip them. Amen. Amen. God has been good. And you can look around and see all these things that God's blessed you with. And it's not up to us to pound. We should rejoice. It's a gift. God's gave us that gift. But notice what that old bro brother said. He said, I'll I tell you what. He said, I, I, I've not got to enjoy it. So when I die, honey, take everything except the house. Buy gold bars. Put it in the attic. And when I die, my spirit leaves my body. Let me die in the house. I'm going to grab the gold when I go up. <laughs> he died. Sad to say, she ran up in the attic. Straight up in the attic. I mean, without crying. Went up in the attic. And the gold was still there. And she said, man, I knew I should have put it in the basement. <laughs> Is everybody with me? I don't, I'm telling you right now, you ain't taking it with you. It's a gift. Enjoy it. That's why I tell people all the time, hey, we got a church. And, man, I'm praying God's going to give us somebody to, to help us pay that church off. And, boy, God's been good to us. We're in a church that should have cost four times. And we had to build it. Our church was falling in. And we just we had, didn't have a choice. We built it ourselves. And everybody said, there's no way you can build it, preacher. Um, there's no way. I, I was the contractor. And uh, so, I, I mean, I, we just volunteered. We had Presbyterians working. We had Catholics working. We had lost people. The best block masons and brick masons in Landrum and in that western North Carolina area, they would come by, pop shirts in their mouth, tell me, preacher, I'm sorry for having alcohol in my breath, but I want to lay some brick. I believe you're doing something for the Lord around here. And, man, we never paid for the brick. I, I mean, it's amazing. I, I don't even have time to tell you. Well, let me just, let me brag on the Lord. We was going vinyl it and, and block it. And, and we was praying and putting a Bible in the foundation. When you walk through the front door, there's a, uh, there's a, a military ammo can. And in that military ammo 
Spokane in the foundation. And around in the cement is a Bible of my papa's. And it op opened it up and it's laid in there in a Ziploc bag in that waterproof ammo can. And it says, except the Lord build the house, the labor in vain which build it. And we were praying and putting that Bible there. We called it a Bible placing ceremony. And the people who delivered our block showed up. And he was so touched. He owned Robin's Brick down there before they sold. He said, I got some brick. Preacher, uh, would you brick it if you could? I said, well, we probably would. I don't know if we could afford it. That day, I had a preacher call me and said, I don't know how it happened, but we got twice as many brick. I said, well, uh, what you going to do with them? He said, well, I'm going to give them to you. I said, well, hallelujah. He said, we got pews going to give them to you. I said, hallelujah. Now, I was dignified. When I got off the phone, y'all would have put me in a straitjacket. I went crazy. <laughs> oh, man. I was excited because we didn't have no money. When we started the building, we had $68. Would that make anybody nervous? It would have made too, but I, I believe God. Why in the world are you waiting on hoarding money? I'd be ashamed to pastor a church that had $100,000 in the bank and face God with it. Somebody ought to help me right here. I'm going to get an amen from somebody. Help me. Seth, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I'd be ashamed. Are y'all listening to this preacher? You're hoarding it up. Can't take it with you. Still going to be there. And your wife's going to pay off the church when she Amen. <laughs> I said, well, we got some brick that was gave to us, but I don't know how we're going to get them down here. So it went along. Somebody said, we'll bring them free. Hey, man, so I said, I got a, I got a fort left. I'll get them off the truck. We're sitting there. He said, well, them brick is odd. They were made um, six years ago. And then I started thinking, that's when God told me to build the church, and I was doubting him. And they're supposed to be made for Tennessee. What are they doing in Greensboro at a brickyard? He said, well, we got extra. We're going to bring them. And he said, I'm going to tell you what God laid on my heart. I called Brick Cement Company. They're going to donate all the mortar you need. I got real wild then. Amen. Hallelujah. Got real crazy then. And then God started just pouring in blessing upon blessing, proving to that architect and to that crowd that God could do it in that day. And a, and a million dollar building, we got in for 260000 I'm just, I can't wait to somebody write, I'll, I'll send back word when somebody gives me a $200,000 check paid off. I will, I, I'm believing it. I'm trusting God. I've done what him do it. Had old Boyle said this, and if you know anything about building, you'll know you can't match brick from five years ago. And he found on that yard, not just what the church gave us, but enough bricks to brick the whole church, to brick the columns. And they were the same stamp, the same band, as if God said, Get them back. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I remember we was putting rebar in the foundation. The foundation was going to cost us $80,000 in material. We had it done for $60,000 and the labor was free. And one of the guys that laid it said, you got to have, we had to put them rebar every two inches like a grid. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Every two inches and had to put them in the piers. We had enough rebar to do the foundation and not the piers. And I'm telling you, God still multiplies like he did the fish. And we got done. We had rebar left over. <laughs> I'm telling you, God still can. 
Y'all come up to 200 East Blue Ridge Street in Landon, South Carolina, you will see a miracle sitting on that on that ground. Hey, man, bro, thank God I can't even get in the same zip code without my heart starting beating a little bit. Yeah. I thank God he can. And the problem is we're not trusting the master. He's got patience. He's got a plan. He's got the power. He can do it. We just going to have to believe God. Would you say amen? Amen. I could tell you so many other things, but this master, he can work things out. I'll, I'll tell you this. I, I was wondering how in the world we're going to get scaffold bucks. And I don't know if y'all know anything about scaffold bucks, but I was used to them old scaffold bucks. And my grandpa didn't tie them off. And, this, and, 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 and you're nailing and working like this on oak boards, you know. Don't even walk board. What's that? I mean... Two by 12, that's your walk board, boy. Get out there. And man, this man who was in prison found out about us building the church. And he had them nice ones where you just sit everything up and roll them up. I'm, I, you can't make this stuff up. I'm talking, church, are y'all getting one? Listen, we, 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 got, we got done and just had the basement, and it was just going to be a crawl space and a little area, and God let us finish that. I mean, it's just amazing what God can do. And if God did it for me and our church, he can do it for you in this church. He can do anything you got in your family, your individual. There ain't nothing that God can't do. He's not respecting our persons. And the same God that answered Elijah's prayer after he prayed a little over 60 words, he's the same God. We have the same power privileges and promises and all we got to do is trust in the one that can do it he's a master he has a mission and we need to trust him and take him at his word it may look mysterious according to verse 11 we may not figure out is it the beginning is it the end God knows the beginning from the end he knows the whole timeline we only see a portion you turn your lights on you can see for 20 foot God sees the whole way to the end of your life hey man God knows everything and everybody there's not a mud hole you stand him that God don't know about. I'm so glad God knows what he's doing. In our text, we see the mystery. We see the mission. We see amen and the master. Look in verse 14. I'm getting close to the end. Y'all stay with me. Look at verse 14. I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Then go down the latter part of the verse. And God doeth it that men should fear before him. All right. Now, God ain't give us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. When he's talking about this word fear, here's what it means. It means to revere. It means to stand at all. It means to inspire worship. It means to fear, hey man, like Joshua. Joshua, same word. Y'all remember when Joshua led the children of Israel over and uh, he had them put 12 stones down there where the priest had to touch the water and he said, they ain't going to see them. Them's underwater. They didn't have scuba gear then. And so we're going to need one they can see. And he had them take 12 stones and put a memorial in the water. And then he put 12 
12 stones on the other side of Jordan. And he said, when people see these 12 stones, there'll be a fear in them, a reverence, something that'll inspire them to worship. They'll stand in awe to God who not only split the Red Sea, but the same God was backing not just Moses, but Joshua. Amen. Not just granddaddy and great granddaddy, but he's my God too. And when they see them 12 stones on the bank, they'll know down under the water where they can't see. There's 12 more stones. And it'll remind them that, thank God, there's a memorial. They should fear. They should worship. And God says, he said, I'm doing everything that I'm doing. And I've gave you this little world here. And your earthly existence, I put in there an eternal existence. I've given you here and the hereafter. And it's for you to enjoy. It's for you to worship. It's for you to shout about. Hey, don't pout. Don't act like you've lost your best friend. Folks that are saved ought to be the happiest, the most excited. Hey, man, we're heaven bound with the hammer down. Are y'all listening to me? Listen, we've got something better than the Super Bowl. I say it all the time. It's the glory bowl. And here's how it came to that conclusion. One day, we were building a church and worshiping in our fellowship hall that used to be a weird church. What I mean by that is it's weird. When the service is over and the doors is open and they're playing ACDC on the music, that just ain't right. That crowd at least told the truth when they sung Highway to Hell. Somebody say amen. amen. And I'm glad I was on that way too. And God turned me around. Yeah, right. That was a weird, I don't know. God let us buy that place. And it's our fellowship hall now. So we were, we were over here worshiping, and, and y'all should have seen it. it. It was probably from about you see us with that uh, pink shirt on. And if I got it wrong, forgive me. And, and, and a black coat, it was about from here. And the pulpit was here. They had a little bit of pews there. And uh, man, you ought to seen visitors come in. They got showered with blessings. <laughs> Sitting on the front row. I, they, one old boy said, what's that white stuff? I said, that's milk from Canaan. Don't even worry about it. Hey, I was excited. Hey, man, we was building a church over there. And we was worshiping this little bitty place. Been praying for this young girl. She got saved. We've been witnessing to a couple that was right behind the church. She got saved. It got so wild. People were running the tops of the pews from the front to the back. One man took the Christian flag, ran plumb out the back door, run up to Main Street. They called the law on us. The law come down there and said, we heard this disturbing the peace. I said, that's a lie. The wicked ain't got no peace to disturb. Amen. <laughs> Amen. At what they started calling the law on us. They find out and said, where's it at? Oh, don't worry. That's that church down there. They crazy. <laughs> That man ran out the back door and plowed up underneath where the portico is now, where you drive through and let your precious better half off. And he plowed down and shouting the victory and was crying. And the people back yonder said, what went on over there? It was Super Bowl night. I said, it was something better than a Super Bowl. Amen. It was the glory bowl. Amen. You don't get a ring for going there, but everybody comes out a winner. Amen. 
Hey, man, I'm telling you, church, we should be excited. We ought to be overjoyed that we are. We have a master who's got a mission, and he's produced a mandate. And the mandate is, let's stand in awe at him. Can you believe that he picked you out one day? Can you believe that he died for you one day? Can you believe he's coming back for you one day? And all through it all, as a hereafter, but he's gave you a little heaven to go to heaven on. Say, preacher, oh yeah, there's a mystery. See, verse 11 kind of defines man's ignorance. Verse 14 declares God's infinite. Verse 11 distracts, shows us some distractions in our heart. Verse 14 says, if you get your mind on the Holy One, you won't worry about it. See, verse 11 says, man's variable. He's up and down. But verse 15 says, God has a vision for you. See, we serve a God that fails not. We serve a God that fears not. We serve a God that fretteth not. We serve a God that forgets not. Amen. I just ask you today, is he just some teacher that somebody's told you about or is he your treasure? Is, is he just somebody you go to church to hear somebody brag on or do you have something to brag on about yourself? We can't understand him. He's not constrained by time. You see, what I'm saying is that nothing, I said it the other night, nothing ever occurs to God because he's the one that makes it occur. I mean, God's the only one that can sit at his own right hand. God don't have to go somewhere. He's everywhere and still shows up. There's nobody like God. There's nobody you can't figure him out. All you can do and all you should do is shout about the fact that he loves you. Hey, man, the time's flying. Life is fleeting. Seasons are changing, but you got a savior that never does change, that never does fly, fleet, or leave you alone. He'll always be there. And I think about Ecclesiastes. And that verse 15, that is one of the most strangest verses. Verse 11, he's put the world in your heart. I understand it now, Lord. He put my little world there. For me to love and to cherish here. And you put eternity for me to love and cherish there. And I got to verse 15 and the conclusion of this message. The Lord spoke to my heart. While we're running around trying to figure out what to do with our time, God has already got all our time mapped out. All we have to do is follow him. I like the psalmist, if y'all get ready to sing for us. I like what the psalmist says. See, in the Bible, we know he's the chief shepherd. We know he's the good shepherd. We know he's a great shepherd. But I like what David said. He's my shepherd. I know he died for y'all. I like what Paul said. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet. Not I, but Christ liveth in me. For the life which I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Here, here's what I'm saying, church. We've got a master. He has a mission. It's a mystery sometimes to us. The only thing we need to get a hold of is there's one mandate. 
we serve him in fear and in worship, amen, and submit to his authority in our life. And when we can get like Isaiah did, see, he spent the first five chapters, woe is you, woe is you, woe is you, woe is you, woe is you. But he walked in that day and saw the Lord high and lifted up and Isaiah chapter 6, and he said, woe is me. There are three things he said in, and before he was usable by God. He said, woe. He said, lo. And then God said, go. He said, woe is me. And then that word lo identifies with the fact that God took that coal and put it on his lips. That coal wasn't just any coal. It was a coal that sat underneath that sacrifice. So all, it was a blood-drenched coal. It, it, was, it was him by the Holy Ghost fire of God uh, allowing the Holy Spirit of God to apply the blood to his life. He, he's professing his faith in a king that's higher than Uzziah. He saw his glory filling the temple. He just didn't have a train 20 foot long. He had a train that was glory. The, heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool. He said, whoa, it's me. And he got low. And God took that fire and put it on his lips. And then he was gone. He said, Lord, how long should I go? He said, till the buildings are gone and the people lay waste. In other words, spend every moment of your life living and serving me. So I want to ask you, church, this revival is going to come. The services is going to come and go. And this is, as far as I know, last night. And, uh, man, so much I'd love to say. But true revival sets forward the work of the house of the Lord. If you don't believe me, read Ezra 3. Ezra 3 says, it set forward the work of the house of the Lord. It don't mean there's not going to be Sennacheribs and devil's crowd and the devil... In fact, most of the time when folks get refreshed, renewed, and revived, that's when the devil's going to attack you. I'm going to say, get up tomorrow, hit your knees first thing. If you look at that armor of God, anybody's ever been in the military, it looks like the flag is on backwards. It looks backwards. I had a little boy ask me one time, why is the flag backwards? I just tickled his mama, taught him something about the flag. I said, son, it ain't backwards. We always run to the fight, never from it. And that's why soldiers, we're to endure hardness as good as good. So anybody can be a soldier when the sun's out. Anybody can shout in this crowd. I'm, I'm praying God's going to break out on one of you at Walmart. I go to Walmart sometimes, just walk in the door and say, Wow! God is good! Walk right back out the door. <laughs> I got happy. I had prayer meeting at the end of the dog food aisle. Man, what I'm saying is people out there need to see the joy you have. That's right. That's right. You got to sit for the work of the house of the Lord. Go, go into next week. Go in, into tomorrow on your knees. Look at that armor. Don't have any knee pads. Don't have any armor for the back. The best fighting you do is on your knees. Can I, 
can, can we agree with this? That church is not just... I really like... Forgive me if you don't. I just don't know the illustration. I really like Tom Brady, in case y'all didn't figure it out. I mean, he's, he's pretty old and he's still doing it. And if you didn't like him before, if he went down yonder and started from nothing, y'all to shout about it, he still went. And I just thought about it. He can't win it on his own, though. He had to have a good old tight end come out of retirement. He, he had to have... He had to have some people block for him. What I'm saying is, if you're going to score a touchdown, it ain't just about the quarterback. It ain't just about all the other all the other leadership up there. No. I, we, in Polk County, you play Ironman football. And that's the way I liked it. The only thing I didn't do was kick off return. I played everything else. I hated sitting on the sidelines. You ought to, as Christians, despise the sidelines. You said, preacher, I don't know what. Give me something to do. Here's what you need to do. Tell, tell somebody about Jesus. I, I gave one family, the Lancasters, that y'all probably remember them. I gave their kids and them so many tracks an invitation to our church, they could wallpaper their bedroom with it. You, you, when, when we go to a restaurant around here and, and we, and we have, hand a track to them, they ought to say, man, I done got 15 from the bridge. Dear God. <laughs> and when you go leave one, make sure you tip worth something. Somebody help me. Amen. Don't leave them $2 and leave a track. If you do, put somebody else's track on there. But when you're feeling real good about how good God's been to you, leave a 20 or a 10. Put an invitation in there. You see, they some mamas over there. That's the only money they're going to make. You don't know what that $20. I seen a girl break down. Said, would you pray for me? Hey, I didn't know it. But during revival, we took some preachers to Waffle House and ate. And one of the brothers that's with me, he said, let me take care of the tip. And I forgot what he is. It was a lot. $50 tip or something. Her boss goes to my church. She wept because she wasn't going to spend the night in her car that night. She got to stay in a hotel. What I'm saying is, this community out here can see Jesus all over you or not, that's going to be your choice. Let's go out of this thing setting forward the work of the house of the Lord. I'm coming back next year whether he invites me or not. If I got to, I'll shout him on. If we're still here and the Lord ain't come back. If the Lord comes back, we'll let somebody else pay the church off. Amen. <laughs> I always like building a good bonfire anyway. He's going to burn it one day. We're going to be gone. But if, if we're still here, let's pray this. That God will let this church be three times as big. Because people have set forward the work of the house of the Lord. And I'm going to tell you how it's going to happen. I was preaching, and, and I had Tyrone McRae, Gilpin, and they all got saved. Not Tyrone, but the rest of them got saved and joined our, our
our uh, teaching instruction team. I would call my wife. These men had such a care about them. They shined my shoes, the bottom of them. When, when I get up to preach, they'd read my text and say, everybody stand up, the man of God's coming. They'd take from Sunday, Monday through Saturday and expound on everything I preached so it would drive home because we only had them 17 days. Them men treated me with such. And one of them got up and said this. He said, back at my church in Mississippi, we've read the Bible enough to know they have church every day in that church. There, there's not one day they don't have church. I'm just telling you they don't. Every day they have church and have for 10 years. And he said, in our church, we honor our preacher. We lift him up. Our, our senior pastor, uh, we lift him up, and here's why. Blessings come down from glory through that man of God in the umbrella of the local church. And if we cut off that preacher, we're cutting off God's blessings. And if you do that, you're cutting it off to your kids and your grandkids. And if you eat the preacher for supper, and I, I, as far as I know, everybody here loves him and shouts to victory and and. and far as I know, y'all give him a million dollars a week. I ain't heard nothing, don't know nothing. But here's what I am saying. If you'll be good to the person God's placed at the head of the local church, God's blessings will funnel down to all people here. And you'll never go wrong taking care of your preacher. Y'all agree with that? That's the truth. Amen. That's the truth. That's the gospel truth. That's the, that is the truth according to this Bible. Let's be good to the man of God. Let's be good to each other. And let's be good to this community. There's no telling what God's going to do as he sets forward the work of the house of the Lord. Father, we love you today. We invite everybody here to stand with us. As far as I know, we're closing out our last service tonight. And Father, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for a good time in your house among your people. Thank you, Lord, for my boys, my wife who's listening now I'm watching on, on our computer. Thank you, Lord, for the witness that the church has that it's still here. That the doors is open, that the power bill's paid. That, that, that folks is caring about the house of God. That, Lord, they can find water when they come in the door and a friendly face and a handshake and make people who, who've not been here feel so welcome. Lord, thank you for a place that's inviting. But thank you for a place that's not only inviting them in, but giving them something before they leave. God, would you help us, Lord, as this local church here in Brunswick County. Help us, Lord, to be the light to this community, the light to this county, the light to these neighboring tri and multitude of cities. Help us, Lord to be so salty that we make sinners run for the water trough. Help us, Lord, to, to be so fiery that cold, dead sinners will be awakened from their deadness and run to watch the fire burn. Help us, Lord, I pray, to be a gospel witness that when they come in, they find the right 
nutritional supplement for their soul. What they can't find an aisle for in Walmart, let them find it right here in this sanctuary. Lord, thank you for my spouse, for my children. Thank you for my sanctuary back home. Thank you for this place of worship. Help us to get in the glory. And then his last comments and last song. Help us to sing. Help us to be determined and diligent and desirous. Thank you for our little world here and the one you have waiting on us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
the silence, the roaring lion declared the grave had no claim on me. Then came the morning that sealed the promise, the very body began to breathe. This is the only thing you put in my heart. Yes, sir. Boy, what a reminder. What a, a, a sobering reminder. Because, hey, I'm going to be honest with you. There's times. <laughs> only on Mondays, but there's times. 
We still here, Pastor. We still here. believe that you have so divinely guided our paths to cross for such a time as this. God, I'm glad that what you do, you know it from the beginning to the end. We were reminded tonight, so, so nothing that's going on in this world has caught you off guard. And I just pray that you would help us to take this message to heart and continually remember that no matter how things look, God, we just confess to you tonight that you've done things in such a way that we cannot explain nor take credit for. And we're just going to trust that you're going to keep on doing things. 
and guide us in all of our ways. Lord, every one of us tonight gathered under the roof of this building have family members and friends, co-workers. That more than anything else in their lives, they need a relationship with you through your son. And I pray, God, I ask you that you use us your son who has saved us would be glorified and highly exalted. We love you. Ask you to forgive us for we've sinned and fallen short of your glory. Help us to be all that we can be according to your strength, your power, your wisdom. In Jesus' name.